Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of The Morning Show. We discuss the wild transaction volume on board a Biat Club. Speculation is that it has to do with people farming rewards from Blur in anticipation of the January Blur airdrop. So interesting to continue to follow what's going on there. Beyond that, we discuss the other trending collections, including 6529's We Own the Memes collection. Uh, we debate whether or not you'll see long-term value accrual there, given that the tokens are 1150 and we also are sponsored by Tiny Tap, which is an Animoca Brands gaming ecosystem. As usual, all of our content is sponsored by SoRare. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash SoRare. And if you're in Miami this week, we're going to be performing live four times at the Rug Radio live stage at Metaverse Miami and at DGen Arcade in Miami for Miami Art Week and Art Basel. If you're there, you don't need a portal. Just come through. No ticket, no list, no token gate. Just come to the events. If you have a portal, there's some VIP stuff like free drinks and food, but we want as many people to come as possible. So please come if you're in Miami. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, November 28th, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week, where we discuss all things Web3, the NFT space, technology, gaming, finance, Whatever. At the end of the day, we want to dive into all of the personal finance and bleeding edge technology topics that are out there. And we want you all to come along with us on the journey. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, the funniest man in the business. Signal, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest, the presenter, the writer of the Weather Report, one of the most informed market participants in the NFT space. Speaking of newsletters, NFT God is on stage. The Maybe the biggest NFT-specific newsletter in the NFT space. Love having NFT God on the show. Love having people that write come on the show because if you can write, it means that you can think. Easy Eats Bodega, the Solana celebrity, the founder of a profile picture project coming to a blockchain near you, the host of GMGM GM NFTs and Web3 Made Easy, Watch out for what he's doing in the space. King Kicks, the CEO of Crypto Raiders, a gaming enterprise in Web3. One of the most intelligent degenerates that I know of. No one made more money than King Kicks in the bull run that didn't buy Bored Apes. Uh, let Happy to be here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today's show is sponsored by Tiny Tap. We got Yoga of Shelly, the CEO and founder of Tiny Tap, on the show. Uh, we're going to be diving deep into Tiny Tap, so make sure that you stick around. As you can see, we got Animoca Brands on stage, got heavy hitters in the game to talk about Tiny Tap. I can't wait to get into today's show. It's going to be an absolute jam. You know, before we get into the show, like at the end of the day, I'm really big on supporting anybody that's doing their thing, anybody that's, you know, being proactive, trying to make content, trying to get something going. So your boy, Dan, the, Dan, you. the lost boy, oh, not me. Dan, the lost boy, uh, took it upon himself to drop a little record and I, I want to play it. I, I think he had already done it for another show, but here we go. The NFT Morning Show from the Nifty Portal, yo. The NFT Morning Show from the Nifty Portal, yo. The NFT Morning Show from the Nifty Portal, yo. The 
studio with it. Easy and kicks, got that morning flow. Weather report from signal information overload. Web free, NFTs, news and everything in between. NFT morning show from the nifty portal, yo. NFT morning show, Twitter space is portable. NFT morning show, you know we got more to go. The NFT morning show from the nifty portal, yo. It does have some groundbreaking lyrics. Rap records. Uh, that was crazy. Shout out to Dan the Lost Boy. Thanks for making that. That was that was dope. Uh, pumped to hear it. Love hearing stuff like that. Just wanted to give give some shine to your boy Dan the Lost Boy making records in the space. Nifty Nick, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right, but I, I was about to have beef because you cut the other song off early, but now you, you played this one, so I'm, I'm a little bit better. Okay, so the beef, know? okay, we, we can put the beef to the side. Okay, I like that. I, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you're not, you're like, let's move, let's move past the beef, okay? <laughs> let's move past it. We're good, man. Yeah, the I'm also happy because apes are just absolutely dominating the floor price of uh, punks. I, what I'm not happy about was getting robbed of my eight coin right before it uh, surged there. That that was the big uh, mistake um, on my part. The, it, so, from, from the Genesis thing or from the, when you got ro- literally robbed? Literally robbed. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, mutants up at sixteen, almost seventeen thousand uh, U.S. dollars, fourteen point twenty eight ETH. They were hovering around eleven twelve. So anybody that bought them on that, you know, at that local bottom, uh, definitely did well. Nick, I, I, I like you, you're like, yeah. Well, mutants are at this floor. Pr- like the, I like because you're like that. That's the one you looked at first for for obvious, for obvious reasons in terms of price dollars. What do you mean? You're like, let me let me check my portfolio real quick. Okay, looks it's, good. It's actually more, no. I don't care about my existing mutant. It was more about because uh, I was interested in buying another mutant. I think I've, I've been vocal about this on the show because of my profile picture theory. Would you want an ape? Uh, I if you listen to Easy and if you look at NFT God and you look at Thread Guy and you look at a lot of different entities in the space. I believe that a case is to be made that a mutant profile picture, if it's a good one, uh, which I would be buying a good one, I'd be buying an M1 Grin, uh, is a stronger profile picture for audience building than a Bored Ape. I would definitely, my opinion is that the punk is it reigns supreme. I believe that the punk reigns supreme, but I actually think that a mutant is a more worthy profile picture than a Bored Ape at this point. Children. Yeah, I, completely, I completely agree, Prio. I think it's a great take. I think if you're over the age of 40, you should buy a punk. If you're between 30 and 40, you should buy a board ape. Or more like 35 and up, buy a board ape. If you're under 35, uh, buy a mutant. Also, fun fact about mutants, they have the highest uh, unique owner percentage count of any blue chip project. Thank you for the input, Kix. Kix, did you uh, did you suck in a bunch of helium before the show this morning? Did you replace your coffee with helium today? No, uh, uh, went Black Friday shopping. Uh, was uh, grappling with a guy over a, a sixty-five inch TV. Took a uh, kind of a ninja chop to the larynx, uh, but feeling fine. Just a little bruised up. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, go ahead. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> but yo, a thousand prayers with kicks, hoping that his uh, larynx 
get re- is repaired soon because uh, it's tough sounding like you consumed helium as a result of an injury to the larynx. <laughs> Uh, gotta love kicks. Uh, you know, NFT God has his hand raised. NFT God, you've said that people before have made the outrageous claim that the only reason you've built the audience that you've built is because you you have a mutant as your profile picture. Now, while obviously I think anybody with a little bit of sense can will, will know that just having a mutant as a profile picture does not get you tens of thousands of Twitter followers you know, over a matter of months, that's obvious. The fact that they just, that they would even grasp at that claim, the fact that they would even think that that's a claim to make, to me, is evidence that if I change my profile picture to a good mutant, uh, it would be a game changer in terms of audience building. And I mean, my other argument, again, is that the punk is is the penultimate. But no, go ahead. What, what, what are you thinking about NFT God? I, I do believe the mutants make the best looking profile picture, but here's the thing I've, I've tweeted about this a couple i throw this tweet out there every once in a while where you, you should never change your profile picture you know it's your brand and that if you change it it makes it hard to recognize you on the timeline and i throw this anecdote out that i follow this guy who changed his profile picture and i literally started skipping over his tweets because i just didn't recognize that person that anecdote was actually about you there was a like a week long period where you changed your profile picture and this might just be me personally i don't i'm i might be projecting my own thing on everybody but you changed your profile picture I think to like your version of a, a bodega buddy, it's the same color palette, but it was a bodega buddy. I literally, I realized it like a day later that I was skipping over all of your tweets because I just thought you were someone else because you got a different profile picture. Well, dude, I didn't realize that you're racist, but thanks for bringing that up uh, in terms of <laughs> against uh, profile pictures. In terms of uh, the, uh, the, the, the particular selection that you have, how are you going to be like, yo, the mutants, like... Yo, it looks like you got snot running down your face on your profile picture. They got more reach. They got more reach. I'm tired of the discrimination against the snot nose face trait. Everyone calls me out on that. Uh, I I think we've had enough snot nose face hate in the space. I I think we need to move past it. I I, I agree. Uh, No, but in in all seriousness, I do think that flat out. I think that a lot of the – look, man. I'm not going to throw shade at anybody. I just think that all I'll say is that I think that the mutant, like the people that rep mutants as profile pictures, they just, they're, it's stickier now. I, during 2021, I think that Bored Apes was a big thing. But the thing is, is that a lot of the folks that are like notable Bored Apes are only notable because they bought Bored Apes. Do you know what I mean? And this is not a broad strokes thing, right? There's 10,000 total Bored Apes. Uh, I don't know what the unique ownership is. Almost 60%. So almost 6,000 unique folks that have Bored Apes. There's people like you, Nick, that have gone, you know, that were making content the whole time and working hard in the space and uh, distinguishing yourself. But there's other people that are like, yeah, I bought six Bored Apes. Like that, that's like their claim to pay. I, I bought eight board apes. Like, come worship me. You know, I'm going to be at Ape Fest later. Was that like, a shot put, at Franklin? Like, what was that? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's people where it's like, well, you know, what is, what is like your significance? Like, why should I be aware of your presence in the space? <laughs> and it's like, I bought a board ape. It's not, you know, like, yeah. 
Remember the guy that walked by at NFT NYC? He's like, I'm going to be at Ape Fest later. I'll like, literally, we like a guy's walking down the street. We wave at him. He basically just waves back and keeps walking. And he's like, hey, guys, I'll be at Ape Fest later. And I'm like, okay. sorry, I don't know anything about you. I was just saying hello. But like, all right. Like, I'm, like I don't Because he had a captain, uh, a uh, like, a, what, what was the hat on? Like the the captain hat, which is he was common- dressed like a captain. Anyways, and and he was walking by, and I was like, "Is that a captain eight, basically?" And then he he was like, he just like kept walking. I don't know. It was like a weird interaction. And I'm like, I, I don't know anything about you. Like I, I just uh, I he, I, he I bought saw, a board ape Nick. I saw like- another NFT person, so like waved at them, and that was the extent of it. But it was interesting. I don't know, just to be just sort of the disrespect that I felt directed toward me in terms of like, okay, see you there. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, you know, when you see uh, like, you know, whoever, the guy that plays Captain America in the movies and people are like, you know, gushing over him, he plays Captain America in the movie, right? He's not like, I bought Tesla stock in 2016. Like, that's not, that's not how it works, you know? Kicks, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, I just want to say that I, I completely agree with uh, NFT God uh, with the fact of like, you know, uh, it, it it may not be that he had a mutant that made him so successful, but the fact that he had a mutant and he kept it as the same profile pick for a period of time, because I've actually split tested some profile picks back in my day. Uh, I had a crypto hobo as a profile pick for about a week. It, it, it was definitely the lowest engagement I've ever gotten in my life. And I used to switch around profile picks a lot until I got my Moonbird. In between when I sold my board ape and when I got my Moonbird, there was a two-month period of just darkness in terms of engagement and brand confusion. Um, and yeah, basically the whole experiment uh, just lends a lot of credence to what NFT God said. There you go. I mean, look, I think NFT God's onto something with the profile picture change. Having said that, I think that over a period of maybe two or three weeks, which I know is a lifetime in the Web3 space, you can, you know, get people used to the new profile picture. And someone like Kix is a perfect example of that, who's changed his profile picture a bajillion times. But now everybody knows, you know, King Kix reps that Moonbird. Um, I think the crypto, l- l- let me just give you one last example so people can understand, because I do think at the end of the day, digital identity, NFTs, you know, the only actual proper utility that you get from NFTs right now is digital digital identity. I mean, we had the CEO of Animoca Brands North America, Robbie Young, on the show last week, absolutely on the YouTube show, fantastic conversation with him talking about the future of gaming and NFTs. So in the you know, when that really becomes mainstream, when it becomes mass adopted, you're going to see insane actual proper utility within gaming ecosystems that drives real value to in-game assets. You'll have like 12-year-olds, you know, completing a really hard mission in a game and getting a rare weapon that everybody wants. And the, the 12-year-old's going to be going to their parents at dinner. Hey, yeah, I sold something that I got in the game for 12 grand. You know, that's that's a future that I, I think that we can see. But, um, you know, with the CryptoPunk thing, for example, I said to Nick, I was like, hey, we got to get Raul Paul on the show uh, from Real Vision, former Goldman Sachs guy, big time crypto trader, you know, thought leader in the space. And Nick was like, all right, yeah, you should put a tweet out. And I was like, if I put a tweet out, then it's not going to get noticed. And no one is going like nothing's going to happen for me putting a tweet out about Raul Paul. And I told Nick like what I would write in a tweet. He wrote something very similar. Raul Paul literally replied to his tweet. 
And that's it's because of two reasons. Because Nick does have a lot of followers, right? Over a hundred thousand. But more importantly, that punk. Like it's totally because of that punk. So I'm Yo, just throwing- bow down. And he has a white name too. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what happened to your bike there? But uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> what do you think of that comment, Nick? Wait, my mic's messed up. Now it's good. Now now it's back. Hey, I just wanted to say there's a lot. There's a large conversation here about my height. And I'm the average height of a man in the United States, okay? Actually, you're now I'm saying... Nick, you're yeah. actually above average for uh, NFT holders. The, see, there you go. And I'm also taller than the average man in Yemen, India, Sudan, Mexico, <laughs> Kenya, Japan, China, Singapore, and Brazil. Okay? So uh, the, I just wanted to shout that out there. It actually, according to this site, I'm not, I, I may be shorter than average in the U.S. now. The, the average height is increasing. That just doesn't sound good for my uh, future dating uh, you know, abilities here as, as I uh, shrink relative to the country. But here we are and my future children. You know? You're going to um, be if, just fine, buddy. You're, you're not uh, short. That's a thing. Uh, well, uh, you know, the, the general consensus, though, is that I am. And I just thought that we should take a large portion of the show to discuss my height. <laughs> Look, I think a lot of that's coming from the pictures that we took from the sweatshirt modeling thing. The, the Literally the shirt. worst photos. But I was, I was, you know, a team player. I was a team player out here. And I allowed us to publish what was really me and clothing that I'd never wear. Okay. Just I would never wear this. It made me look foolish. Uh, okay, okay, that's that's good. Anyway, those pictures they make you look smaller because the way they shot it dead on. Like I, I'm long, Nick. So like if you're not gonna if you're not long, it's gonna look weird. Uh, so so sorry about that. Kicks has his hand raised. Then we're gonna go into the weather report. Kicks, what's going on? Yeah. Um. Well, I actually I think today's my day for the weather report, so I can uh, hop into that. I wanted to talk about uh, some of the. Uh, like interesting data and price action. Over well, the well, for sure. I, in that case, I saw Signal raise her hand. Then we'll go right back to you. Signal, what's going on? Sig. Yeah, sure. All good. Sorry. I was like pressing the wrong buttons there. Uh, I don't know how we got onto Nick's height. This was really weird. We we're talking about punks and then we went to Nick's height. But anyway. It's the Discord. It's, I, I, you know, it's like uh, my middle age and st- midlife crisis. Instead of a car, I got myself a punk and y'all need to respect that. Okay. And then that transitioned into my height. And I'm just tired of people in the Discord, you know, talking about my height, you know, and that's where that's what happened. So, signal. Sorry, my apologies. No, all good. Now, okay, now I now I connect the dots to your height. All good. Actually, Po, I think another way that you could have got Rao's attention is to also know, like, know what that person is into. Like, so if you're going to stalk this person and you want to get their attention, I think another way would have been to turn uh, your PFP into a rect guy because he's a big fan of Red Guy and that would have got his attention. So I think your theory on punks and like having a punk profile, obviously have a very strong network. There's even um, a community where it's like, they try and connect punks around the world. So if you need something, jump into the punk community and someone will know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy will be able to help you out. And I love that. But I think like you don't need to spend, you know, 80,000 to a hundred thousand dollars to get Rao's attention. I think there would have been much more sort of, um, uh, let's say sneakier, savvier ways and probably starts with a wrecked guy. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I also think that at the end of the day, like there's just something about punks and the way that they're perceived. And my profile picture as it stands right now, doesn't actually 
it, it, there's no benefit to it. Like, I, of course, I like it. I like the history of it. I like the story, but that's all very personal to me. The, the audience, no, no one's like, yeah, like that profile picture. Yeah. Whereas with the punk, you can just attract, you can just attract people. Like people are just attracted to it flat out. If someone has a punk, they're like, all right, this guy must know what he's talking about. You know? So right now the floor is 77 grand. Uh, if Elio trades, our colleague is correct. And we're just going to bleed, bleed, bleed into 2023. Maybe we see 50 again and maybe, uh, you know, I pop, I pop in, uh, kicks, um, amigo, can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, what's going on? Wait, signal. I didn't. I didn't get the report. Is it your day? Yeah. No, it's my. It's my day. Kicks. Okay, Do you want right to? Back okay, to you. okay. Back okay. To you. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was slightly panicking there. All right. All right. Okay, guys. Wait a minute. We got the weather. Wait. No, we don't have weather. Um, just a second. The instruments, people. We just need to get the instruments. It's a bit slow. The computers. It has loaded. <laughs> you, you literally <laughs> just emailed it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but then I realized I didn't send it to Kicks. Anyway, it's all good, guys. GMGM Monday, the twenty eighth of November. Volume on. On the open sea is at 7.8 million. Blur coming in very high over the weekend at 6.7 million. So that's good to see. On to the leaders, we've got some changes. We've got some very notable changes. As we're talking, obviously, apes are back over 70. You've got mutants in the mid teens, uh, moonbirds, and uh, clonex are just shy of nine ETH, and doodles have managed to break seven. So all good there. Over the past 24 hours, uh, you've got apes leading the open sea ranks, but it's kennel dogs which are taking the lead. We talked about them on Friday when dogs were at 5 ETH and they have continued to sustain momentum. So clearly the US market came back and started to buy in. And now dogs this morning were sitting at 6.3. On to the degenment of the weekend was Crypto Burbs by Vodnik. This is the artist behind Crypto Tit Vag. And this made it, sorry, sorry, uh, this made it to the OpenSea trending front page. And after dropping a stealth mint, which was free for the tit vag holders and the dick butt holders, uh, the mint was around eight US dollars. And that collection went all the way up to 0.3 before settling around 0.1 this morning. Other winners over the weekend, uh, there were some big ones. They had the memes that did really well. Killer Bears did really well. And so did Genuine Dead. And then lastly, uh, ACK, um, he had the color study collection, which uh, we heard about last week from the speaker Tuggy. This was one of the biggest winners of the weekend after the floor price went up by 3x and color study sitting now at a 0.5 ETH floor. On to crypto. Crypto is down. We're seeing BTC around 16,000. This is because of the ongoing events in China at the moment. If that carries on, I imagine we'll we will continue to see uh, crypto just slide a little bit down as well as uh, the equity market. So overall, while news has been a bit slower this weekend on the news front, on the NFT front, it's been really good. Yuga, um, Yuga leading the charge as we go into the last week of November and the last week of the month. I expect that we'll see more activity from projects in these last 35 days. So for now, the 24-hour forecast is overcast, but look out for potential signs of clear skies happening later in the week. Back to you folks in the studio. Absolutely fantastic weather report as usual. Some other updates, ladies and gentlemen, from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter published by Signal. You can sign up at thenifty.com. In a national statement delivered by the Bahamas Attorney General, Ryan Pinder stated that it was extremely regrettable that FTX's new CEO, John Ray III, misrepresented the timely action taken by the Securities Commission and used inaccurate allegations. Hmm... 
Coinbase is strengthening its European leadership positions despite turbulent market conditions. The new hires come after Coinbase shares hit an all-time low. Wonder if it's a buy, ladies and gentlemen. Founder of Consensus, the developer of MetaMask and RPC Infrastructure, or excuse me, RPC Infura, clarified in a tweet thread misunderstandings surrounding the updated privacy policy explaining Infura does not exploit nor monetize data. Uh, the FTX collapse continues to have global ramific uh, ramifications after the government of Singapore faces tough questions over its failure to protect retail investors. Uh, some Solana news for you. Hyped Mint Clanosaurs covers over 170k in volume in its first couple of days trading the 10,000 supply collection price range from between 20 and 32 soul with the reveal coming tomorrow and last but not least this isn't really a Solana uh, update but a broader market update YouTube crypto influencer BitBoy Crypto sparked a heated debate within the Solana ecosystem by claiming that the blockchain paused so that Alameda research could brute force transactions through under the radar. These ac accusations were refuted by Solana Foundation's head of communications, Austin Federer. Those are your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Nick, it sounded like you had something to say about BitBoy's claim there. Well, there were a bunch of things there that you mentioned. Uh, the first was uh, the Bahamas one. Well, hold on. I was trying to figure out what, what the uh, global ramifications are what do you mean Singapore faces tough questions over its failure to protect? Um, I, uh, that, that one's Retail not Retail investors. Uh, so they're, they're at fault because of FTX? Yeah, the, the, the incumbent government is taking heat, basically, for the fact that their, their citizens had money on FTX. And while well, for, for some reason in Singapore, wow. uh, the current government is taking heat for it. So, that, yeah, that actually, it is having global ramifications. That actually, <laughs> that actually does kind of make sense because in the U.S., the U.S. customers did not have their money on uh, FTX International, so did not get frozen. So th uh, that... that uh, does make sense. The Bahamas one is interesting. So like, so first it comes out that the Bahamas seized money from or forced FTX to send them money. And then, so, so what, what, what did they really do? Are they going to give that money back? Like what's the, uh, uh, like how did they justify this action that was taken other than it being, um, like in the sense that they're trying to protect their own assets first. Like they went in and they took, they were protecting uh, the Bahamas or like Bahamas citizens or like, like what it's not clear for me, but that was a pretty sketchy story because everyone's like, wait, hold on. They were able to just take that money out and they took out a significant amount. I think it was like $400 million. Right. I mean, the whole, Oh, God. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, they took out a yeah a very significant amount. And the point is that they're saying that it um, that the timing was that they had done it before. And obviously, the new CEO is that saying that they did it after. And obviously, all of this can be seen on the blockchain. But it's also like we don't know who like which institutions or individuals or groups of individuals from the Bahamas had their money in exchange. So let's just say some people might have got to the front of the queue faster than others. So mm -hmm. it's all a bit opaque at the moment. That's but that was the story there. Interesting. A bit, 
a bit opaque, Nick. Uh, it's a big mess, if you ask me. And SBF was seen dining with his mom and dad for a nice little Thanksgiving dinner the day before Thanksgiving in the penthouse apartment in Albany uh, on Nassau in the Bahamas. We don't have to talk about all that, quite frankly. Wait, hold on. You saw him having a Thanksgiving dinner? Well, those pictures came out of him, his mom, and his dad sitting there on the deck the day before Thanksgiving. So I don't know. I don't. I don't mean like there was a turkey and stuffing, but you oh, know, people, I, people, I wanted to see him eating turkey. That was like the key thing because that would have just been more infuriating, you know, if especially if it was cooked properly. <laughs> uh, Kicks, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, I, uh, I did some uh, research over the weekend. I, I found some interesting uh, data. Uh, that I think will be useful for uh, new people, but also old people that are used, like old people in NFTs that are used to uh, like looking at volume and activity differently. And a lot has changed in the past um, three months. Um, but I was looking at like a lot of the Board Ape uh, Yacht Club uh, sales and trading activity, um, and it, it felt a little unusual to me. And I asked basically, like on Twitter, I asked like you know what like what percentage of these you know sales are um are like actual buyers and actual sellers and what percentage of sales are like flippers and market makers buying and selling and uh nft statistics who has a great punk by the way um actually pulled some data and found that over the past week board ape yacht club mutant ape yacht club and board ape kennel club had uh 60 Three percent or sixty-one percent of their sales uh, were NFTs that hadn't been bought within the last week. Uh, so basically, what that means is about forty uh, percent of the sales in those three collections were short-term flips, and that is the uh, that is the highest reading um, on uh, like in the lifetime of the data. So the highest amount of flipping activity happened on those three collections. Um, over the past week. And I, I looked back at the other couple times when it had reached this low of a number. Um, and there's no real like bullish or bearish trend for it. Sometimes when this happened, the price went, it, it was a top signal like back in August. And sometimes when it happened, um, there was a lot more upside to go. Um, but I thought it was really interesting and unusual. And it's something that wasn't really possible or like easily seen in the data until we had the emergence of the 0% uh, royalty marketplaces. Uh, but then I kept digging and it's it's just like really weird. So like if you pull up the Board Ape Yacht Club floor right now, on, on the first three rows, so there's seven NFTs per row. So there's 21 NFTs on the page. Three of them are actual sellers, like just people that own a Board Ape and are trying to sell them. Three out of 21. The rest are all short-term flippers. Uh, and uh, 16 out of the 21 have been bought in the last three or four days. It's pretty interesting to see. My my takeaway is that as in, if I'm an owner of an illiquid blue chip asset, due to the emergence of 0% marketplace fees, I would be very cautious to panic when the price goes down um, and then also just be cautious when the price is going up as well um, because I think there's, I wouldn't call it uh, price manipulation per se, but I would call it uh, a lot of unusual activity happening. Like you can, I, I clicked on a board ape this morning and it's been sold four times in the last 72 hours. Um, 
And I think <laughs> that sounds normal to me. $75,000 asset moving four times in two hours. I mean, uh, two days. Yeah. You know? And it's not even just transfers, POs. These are actual sales on the book. And the issue with that is that it can confuse people that are used to trading in uh, like environments where they can actually look at the volume in an NFT and be like, that's, that's legitimate. Like, oh my God, Board Ape Yacht Club did a thousand ETH in volume. That's like a thousand ETH of new buyers coming to the market. No, the, the reality is that it's probably six, seven hundred of that ETH is just uh, these short-term flippers trading it largely back and forth amongst each other, sometimes to actual people that then hold on um, to the NFTs, but it's just, it's just, it's an interesting, you know, new, new world out there. So I would just, I would just exercise a little caution, mostly around not panic selling when these prices drop, because I think that a lot of times, um, when these prices drop, uh, there can be additional unusual activity that happens. And just one last note. So you may look at the floor right now and be like, it's super sick. It's super thick to 80 ETH for board apes. Uh, there's about like 40 apes or like 50 apes to 80 ETH. Only five or, six, five or six of them are normal people selling apes. So if it was just normal people selling apes, there would only be five or six apes to 80 ETH. But the remaining 40 are all of these short-term flippers. And a very easy way where you can spot the short-term flippers is they have like a weird uh, like three numbers at the end. So they'll never sell it for 68 ETH. They'll sell it for like 68.147 um, so I just thought it was an interesting topic to talk about. I love it. I see Nick with his hand raised and Spencer. I want to go to Nick and then Spencer. Can't wait to hear from both of them. Nick, what, what do you think about what Kix said? Uh, well, regarding Kix's stuff, I had two things or, or uh, I had uh, something else as well. Um, but <clears throat> uh, Kix's uh, take. Yeah, I mean, there's people that are market making and uh, Frank, Franklin's trading in and out as well. He, uh, I posted some comment which I still stand by, which is that I think that the uh, there were people I, I saw who I knew that had dumped their board eight because they couldn't stand seeing the floor price drop. And that that floor price dropping was strictly driven by this Ben Dow thing, which I still stand by being a net negative for the space. Um, Franklin read that as... And Nick, the uh, worst part about uh, it is there's people on Twitter dunking those people like, oh, what an idiot, dude. Panic yeah. sold at 50 ETH. It's like, that's like fucked up. That's like a fucked up take um, that uh, you as uh, like at the, the market causing people to panic dump because they think it's going to go to 30 ETH. Like, that's not cool. That's not like, oh, yeah, we got a bunch of idiots to dump so like smart people could gobble them up. That's not like a, a kind of a, a thing that you want to uh, attract new people to the space, I think. So, yeah, I agree. But it also, Franklin was like, w w was acting like it, all of the anger was directed toward him and, I, and uh, or the, the hot takes about him damaging the market. And I'm like, no, you're trading the market as you're incentivized to do. And uh, in this case, the part of that incentive is this Ben Dow thing, which is just, in my opinion, uh, fucking up uh, the floor price of things or the floor price of apes. So th that's one aspect of it. The aspect that you're talking about with the floor price rising um, correspondingly uh, pr or primarily due to a lot of this flipping, I don't think that that's a, um, I, like that's just people market making. It doesn't look good when you get an ape that's been flipped four times in like, uh, uh, you know, a 24 hour period or whatever. It's it, like, 
Well, pe- pe- and, and it, to me, it's one it's one thing if you're flipping. Like, I have no problem with flipping, and I'm not even saying I have any problem with any of this. I'm just saying people should exercise caution now when they see upwards or downwards volume and, like, really dig into the tr- transaction to see what's happening. I have no problem with someone saying, hey, I'm going to buy this for 75 ETH and sell it to someone else for 76 ETH. When it starts to look weird is when those buys and sells are going to the same group of people, right? Because imagine you, me, and PO, and Easy and Signal each had 15 apes, and we're selling them back and forth to each other, uh, going up one or two ETH at a time, right? We do that 10 times over. It's cost all of us like uh, $100 combined in gas fees because we're trading on 0% marketplace fees. And what we've done is we've essentially created the illusion that there's been 600 ETH in volume over the last 24 hours in an upwards price direction. That's when it starts to get a little tricky to me. I have no problem with someone being like, hey, the price is moving up. I'm going to buy this for 75 ETH and then sell it for 77 ETH to someone else that wants to get in. And I'm just here early and I'm making arbitrage on being quick. It gets a little weirder when it's like, oh, I'm going to buy this for 75 ETH. Then, Nick, I'm going to sell it to you to 77. Then you're going to sell it to PO for 79 and then sell it back to me for 81. Well, hold on. But you're also implying that they're, that, that it's a cohort of individuals that are basically 100% just manipulating the whole thing? I think that they're 100% manipulating. Your mic is also not good right now. So I'm, I'm not saying they're 100% manipulating the price at all. I'm not even saying they're manipulating the price. It could all be organic. What I'm saying is it's not just like Franklin trading this. There's like five or six accounts that are doing the same thing, trying to arbitrage the price and flipping. But I think what has just naturally happened, I don't think that they're a coordinated group intentionally doing this. But what is naturally happening is that like out of all of their trades, like 50% of their trades end up being to each other. Yeah, uh, that that uh, that's definitely accurate. Um, it's also uh, is Vitalik ETH actually Vitalik? No, I don't think so. Right. Anyways, that's one of the buyers uh, of the um, of one of the board apes. That my guess is no, this is not actually Vitalik ETH. Um, but regardless, yeah, I I think what you're saying in terms of the flipping is it you're saying just accidentally, like it just so happens that there's a cohort of flippers. I also was skeptical of kind of like the, the rise in floor price, the, the not of ape because ape is, uh, pertains to like the staking that's coming up. And that was going to inevitably be a driver on the price. I'm a little bit salty that I didn't, uh, buy more of it at the low, even when we were talking about it on the show. Um, but the other aspect of it is, uh, for the apes themselves, this isn't clear to me on this one that there's any dividend or anything like that, any airdrop coming as a result of this. Like uh, this could just be another game. Um, cause nothing re- refers to meccas in this, which just makes me think like it, any positive price action is strictly on the anticipation that there's going to be some drop that you're going to get money out of. So anytime that it pumps significantly, I'm almost like if I were flipping, I'd be selling at into the pump basically. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what, what inevitably this announcement is one month from now. And then also when the staking goes down, um, how that plays out. Spencer, you got, oh, well, go I, yeah, I want to hear from Spencer, but real quick, just shout out to our sponsor, tiny oh. tap. 
You see, we got Animoca Brands on stage too. Today's sponsor is Tiny Tap. We got Yogov Shelly, uh, the CEO and founder of Tiny Tap, coming on to talk about uh, you know the the business. Really excited to hear about it. Uh, you know, been in business for years. Obviously, Animoca Brands, huge name in the space. Investor in Board API Club or Yuga Labs, I should say, um, as well as our colleague Elio's uh, you know gaming ecosystem. One of the biggest players in the blockchain gaming space, soon to be just the gaming space. Overall, I want to hear from Spencer. Nick, I know you raise your hand. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there was one other thing. Uh, we did a uh, a bet on Friday for those that were here in terms of betting on what the score of the U.S. versus England game was. It was a thrilling game. It ended in a zero zero score. A lot of people thought that uh, that that made it boring, but actually, I watched the second half and I thought I, I it, it was actually. Uh, kind of close obviously it's close because it was zero zero but uh just in terms of gameplay but there was only one person who guessed uh the zero zero score i almost thought that there was nobody that did he he was in the room he's not anymore i did make that a requirement so uh, we'll see if he comes back uh if you're in here you can request to speak it doesn't show up anymore but it was uh manny uh manny underscore eth was the uh, was the winner of this? Sorry, Manny G underscore ETH uh, was the winner. One person guessed that score out of uh, like two hundred fifty to three hundred uh, guesses, which is pretty insane. Um, there were there were two people that guessed after the fact or halfway through the game, but those were not valid submissions. Well, that's what, yeah, because they, they went and guessed once the results were basically in. You got to love crypto Twitter. Anything to try to slip one, uh, you know, behind the line. Look, we got Spencer. He, his fund owns Bored Apes. His fund owns Punks, uh, Moonbirds, you name it. All the best stuff. Love hearing from Spencer on the show. Hoping he'll jam with us in person for the in-person shows this week in Miami. We're going down today. Looks like we got four days of in-person shows Oh my God, uh, going to be a jam. We'll be posting all the information so you guys can come uh, if you're interested. If, if that if that's what you're into, is watching us perform live. Spencer, what's going on, amigo? Hey, Pio, I'm actually on the way to my airport right now, uh, to the airport right now to come see you guys and, and join those shows. Um, Your airport? His airport, ladies and gentlemen. Airport. He's got a pri- <laughs> private airstrip. The airport. Um, but I just wanted to weigh in on I like could not disagree more with like Kix's sentiment around what's going on with Bored Apes. As one of these people flipping them back and forth, like you have to remember that this is the by far the best way to optimize for the soon to come blur airdrop, right? And so one thing about the Bored Apes collection that I think is incredibly positive about the fact that there's all these market makers is that you can easily enter and exit Yuga Labs assets because there's so many distinct parties PVP market making them, right? Like if you look at how these people trade, it's not like they're just trading amongst each other. There's a lot of transactions amongst each other because at all times when you're market making, you have something listed for sale and you're also buying something. So naturally, there's a lot of sales amongst each other. But look at who the sales of the, of the actual people exiting are. It's often to those same groups of people, right? And that is a great thing to have in a collection because it means you can have exit liquidity, right? Like there's this PVP component where they're trading amongst each other. But a lot of that has to do with just... Um, farming blur airdrop where like i've bought and sold apes and like i think i did three of this from from like spencerventures.eth recently where i bought three mutants and then sold them for almost exactly the same price because is even if i took a loss on them of like a 0.1 eth 0.2 eth i don't care because i'm expecting more from the blur airdrop from contributing volume so like 
I just like don't understand how this could be something like bad for the space that there's like copious exit liquidity on like you get assets like that sounds incredible right like that's that's the dream for every other project if only there was so much volume of people trading against each other and other things it's not like there's that many new people entering the space at all right now so where is volume coming from if you don't think that it's good that volume is coming from people market making then like i hate to break it to you but all the volume in the space right now is mostly people market making or a few net new buyers making big bets but it's really like you see across many, many, many of the top collections, the unique holdership just going down as a function of time during this period. So I don't know. I couldn't think of anything more bullish than having like a lot of market makers on a collection. Kicks, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, what I was trying to say. Yeah, Yo, let's, let's just do regular, uh, just the just the phone. My, my finger was over it. Uh, first of all, what I was what I was trying to say wasn't that uh, like market makers are inherently bad for the uh, space. What I was saying is, is that a lot of people like me that are used to judging projects based on their volume, uh, that is a lot different of a situation now with 0% marketplace fees. Because previously, if someone went to buy a board Ape asset, they needed to at least make a 5% gain just to break even. And so when you're looking at volume, uh, now that there's 0% marketplace fees, you have to factor that in and that's completely different. And yeah, yeah, sure. I guess I guess having market makers on a collection is great so that you can get exit liquidity. But it didn't seem like the market makers uh, stepped in and supported the price at all when it cratered forty percent in ten days and then uh, ramped back up forty percent in ten days. So it doesn't seem like they're really um, providing that much liquidity on the floor, right? Well, so when volatility was too high, market makers didn't market make as much as market makers do. When it went down, why do you think the floors back up? They they all just rebought the same bags. Like they, the hundred percent, they were the, the liquidity that brought this back to seventy ETH, right? Like I, this is the thing that I, I guess I, I'm I'm confused by about your take is that like you're saying okay, like don't look at volume because it's not meaningful anymore because it's big accounts trading against each other. Like that is always what volume was, and that's always been the meaningful thing about volume. Like I don't, I yeah, don't understand how. Uh, I, how can you not understand that it's clearly different to look at volume when people have to make a 5% margin in between? And then because of that, that volume can be a lot more um, organic versus when people have 0% marketplace fees. You can see a lot of volume, but it's not going to represent as many long-term holders. I'm not, once again, saying this is a bad thing. I'm saying that- Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess, I guess at, yeah. the, the implicit thing here is that like I would only ever look at volume against other volume, right? And this effect should be the same across most of the space. Versus like you're saying comparing volume now to volume like 12 months ago, like sure. But like volume now to volume 12 months ago ago was already like apples to oranges because we were in a bull run. Well, there you go. A little bit of debate between two market makers themselves. Well, you Bring know, out the weapons. <laughs> Kicks, any closing thoughts on that, buddy? Uh, no, I think it was uh, good to hear from Spencer. Once again, I'm not like trying to make this out uh, to be a negative thing. I just think that the once again like if you look at the floor right now and you look there's five you know non-market makers let's call them five ape nfts for sale all the way up to 80 uh and there's 40 apes for sale that are quote unquote you know market makers and i think the effect of that much weight constantly sitting on the floor uh combined with zero percent uh fees can make the floor movements do some wild things in addition to volume. Once again, not saying it's bad. I completely agree with Spencer. If these people weren't 
transacting and, and doing volume, it, it may even look scarier out there for blue chips. So uh, not trying to trash on these people at all, just simply trying to say that when you're looking as an NFT trader yourself and you're not a market maker and you're looking at these things, you know, just look in and, and look at the volume and seeing what happens. And that may influence your decision whether or not to panic sell or whether or not uh, to list at the floor versus listing your NFT for like 80 ETH right now, because maybe it actually is worth 80 ETH. But well, that, I mean, that's subjective. Maybe you could get it for eight, sell it for 80 ETH in the next week or two. But there's just some market makers that need to flush out some inventory first. So that's all I'm saying is as a non market maker trader, just being aware of this and the effects that it can have in good and bad ways is an important thing to consider. Love it. We got Clemente on stage. Shout out to Clemente. Love having him on the show. Extremely prepared. Does his research. Looking to really make a name for himself in Web3. Clemente, what's going on, amigo? Hey, Pio, I, I had a hell of a weekend, man. Whatever was going on, whether it was manipulation or not with the board apes, like it had a positive effect on the overall ecosystem. Like There was that kind of trickle-down effect that I saw. Uh, what I'm curious about what I'm going to be monitoring for this week is I, I've been seeing a lot of projects that are hosting live events in Art Basel see a little bit of a pump coming in. A big example of this is World of Women, right? They're holding their, their gala. Um, and last week, they pumped from 1.55 to over 2 ETH after they've been bleeding straight pretty much on a decline for the last like three, four, five, six months. Um, you also saw Doodles go from sub six ETH. Now, last time I checked, they were almost at eight ETH. Um, the thing that I'm thinking about there is the doodle putt, right? Maybe people are expecting, either they want to get into it and get that VIP access or they're speculating that some, something's going to happen, right? And that brings me back to what happened in NFT NYC, right? We saw Cool Cats throw a hell of an event, an IRL event, and they pumped like, 25 to 30%. You saw Doodles blow people away with their keynote kind of presentation and they pumped another, I, I don't have an exact number for you, but that's what I'm kind of thinking about is like, hey, what collections, what project can be hosting live events this week? And is there going to be speculation? If it goes well, can that positive sentiment lead to a rise in floor price? Love hearing that. I don't know if I buy in this year that, you know, because last year when the hype was crazy, uh, real quick, Nick. So it, it's actually been interesting for me now that we're at the week of Art Basel to think about last year at Art Basel. So last year at Art Basel, uh, me and Nick had just, we had just raised funding. So that had just happened. Uh, the NFT, the portal hadn't dropped yet. Uh, we were we were doing this show five days a week. Signal was on the show. Obviously, Kicks, Easy, everyone was on the show. I don't, Spencer was not on the show yet. Node was not on the show yet. NFT God was not on the show yet. Um, and Doodles ran to, I want to say, two and a half ETH. So Doodles had just gone from one ETH to two and a half ETH, and that was a big deal. And I remember that because I met with this kid that's a really savvy kid, young guy. He had uh, bought a punk. He had made a bunch of money on VFriends. He had um, he had bought curio cards. He bought that the 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 bottleneck curio card. I forget what number it is, twenty seven or twenty eight or something. The scarcest curio card, which is the bottleneck on the whole collection, which went to hundred ETH. He had bought two of those, 
as soon as Gary Vee first tweeted about curio cards. So the state of affairs at last year's Art Basel was really something. I remember I, I told someone that we had interviewed Poopy Cat, one of the founders of Doodles, on our show, and they thought that you know that was the most legit thing ever. It was all about Doodles last year at um, at Art Basel. This year, I mean, look at the state of the market, man. Like. You know, in December last year, we were coming off the initial monster bull run pump from September to December, but we were cooling off in a tax loss harvest harvesting. We were coming off of the all-time high for crypto and about to go into the all-time high for NFT volume, which was January. So I'm just kind of fascinated by the difference between our Basel last year and this year. I mean, come on, how much worse can you get here? We don't have information on whether Genesis is going to go bankrupt or not, how that's going to go through. The FTX debacle has happened in the past 30 days. I mean, goodness gracious. Obviously, there's a lot of positive stuff in the news for NFTs, but from like a price action market perspective, this is not, you know, this is not the top. This is not as good as it's going to get. Um, and sentiment is pretty low. So I just don't know if I think that prices are going to have legitimate pumps going into this. Because think about it, Yuga Labs acquired 10KTF and it didn't have any impact on 10K, any material impact on 10KTF's price action. So I don't know how much of a pump we can expect. Nick, what are your thoughts? You have your hand raised. Yeah, you're buying doodles to go play putt-putt. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever, uh, I've ever heard in my life. Um, and, and the fact, how is that the big thing? I don't understand what, so, so putt, 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 everything that I said just turned into doodles. Putt, putt. No, no. It, it, and no, nothing about what you said. It was what the comment before, which is when I raised my hand. So the, uh, the, uh, the thing that I, I was just saying though, is like the anticipation and your point being that like, I doubt that there's going to be as big, you know, any significant announcements in any way but there was more anticipation last year. And then we also had way more as it went into uh, January, which was the real uh, pump for a lot of these NFTs. The, uh, uh, I just thought it's ridiculous that like, let's say you walk out of there and you're like, yo, that's the most insane putt-putt course I've ever <laughs> been to. And you like, you, you like post about it you, th you posted on Instagram. Now, I actually scratch that. If it's so absurd that it goes like viral on TikTok because people are like, yo, that legit is the most insane putt-putt course. But what can you put in a putt-putt course that makes like millions of people be like, damn, who made that putt-putt course and how can I go play putt-putt there? Like, wh what are you going to put in that course? And then like... And and then are you going to be like, yo, sorry, you can't play there because you don't own a $9,000 okay, NFT. Hold up. When's the last time you've been to Putt-Putt? Uh, I went to one <laughs> actually in the past year. Uh, there were, Well, there were two. Hold on. There, I just need to clarify what those two experiences were. One was uh, there was a Pixar Putt-Putt uh, course in lower Manhattan uh, that was – Oh, insanely overpriced. It was like $50 a person to go to this. And I, I was offended. I walked away, but then was like, well, what else are we doing today? So we went back to that putt-putt course. The second one would be an Oculus where I play virtual putt-putt. And let me tell you, it's a pretty good putt-putt game.
Well, so what is putt putt? Is that just mini golf? What what, what does putt putt mean? Is yes, that mini golf? It's mini golf. <laughs> okay. So that's like a very funny and, and childlike way to say mini golf. I like it. Putt putt. I'm, I'm in. I'm totally in for putt putt. I think it's a location specific thing. Some people call it mini golf. I call it putt putt. Okay. It's fine. I like you calling it putt putt. I think it's funny. Signal, you have your hand well, raised. Let's go. Kicks wanted to say something real quick about. Uh, I was wondering what what was what was the thing you were going to say about the course. Kicks. Well, after hearing your pedigree that you've literally been to like an IMAX putt putt, then uncover like the speaker or whatever you're doing. Just hold the phone. Just so, hold sorry, the phone. I'm left handed, PO. Okay, they make these phones for all you 90 percent right hand. But how is My your bad. finger in front of the speaker? That's just like hold the, the phone in your hand. Nick, just hold Nick, the phone. Nick, can you palm a basketball? No, I can. Okay, so I got a lot more hand to work. <laughs> That is covering up the speakers. My bad, okay? I'm going to get it set up on the roadcast. We're never going to have this issue again. I was simply asking for your history and your pedigree at putt-butt courses because I think a lot of people's experience with putt-butt courses is that they're old and run down and they haven't been updated in like 30 years. But it sounds like you've been to a modern one, and that's what I'm assuming Doodles is going to be. It's going to be like a modern experience. I bet it would be pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> well, I can't wait to see. It's going to be very interesting. Signal, you had your hand raised. What's on your mind? You know, it just kicks a speaker, gets me every time. It's, just, it's like, what's, it's like what sound is going to come out next? Sometimes we get the computer. Sometimes we get the muffled sound. Sometimes we get the pillow. Um, but anyway, sorry, kicks. This is like total love to you, but it is turning into a game to kind of guess how you're going to sound like. But um, Clemente, to your uh, to your point, I think going into Art Basel, yes, we'll get this like run up of like potential older projects who are doing um, events and stuff. And we'll, we'll see a bit of price speculation or people buying tokens because they want to hold these projects. But I do see after Art Basel, all of these established projects retracing unless there is some kind of event which wants to make people hold it into 2023 i think we're just going to see a spring clean and if um, and if i was going to be on the ground at art basel there'd be certain events that i would want to go to and then speaking to people to try and get a feel for like what are people looking forward to to tw- in, like in 2023 like you're seeing people ask that like pfps are not going to be it next year so what's it going to be and i think there's no right answer and that is an answer you get by speaking to lots of people individually and then connecting the dots so the short-term price action, great. But for anything like more than 30 days going into Jan, I would be looking at new trends, new ideas, and what potentially people might want uh, might want to hold from the beginning of next year. So love it, Signal. Uh, what I would say is everybody's saying PFPs are not going to be it. I agree. I totally agree. However, what I think that means is that new random PFPs where it's just like, here's the profile picture. It's a squirrel. No, I'm not. I don't know. It's a chipmunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> Random new yes. P. It's a hamster. Yeah, literally just here's a hamster. You know, give us two and a half million bucks. I think those days are done where it's just like, it's a hamster. You should buy it. It's a hamster. The art is good. There's a great team. I think that those days are done. But the existing big PFP projects, which are either cartoon animal pictures that were established in 2021 or humanoid cartoon pictures that were established in 2021 or 2022, um, will continue to carry value. And then I think that you see an evolution of the space where basically the new NFTs that come out are either pure play art like we've seen the uh, explosion of generative art, and you'll see maybe uh, 
artists that have accrued value in the traditional art world actually accrue value in the NFT world. That's totally on the table. But then also, you know, other stuff like the 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 uh, brands and businesses that Animoca, for example, is investing in, where there's actually some substance. There's something there. It's an existing business. There's some reason to buy the thing versus just you get a profile picture. I think that new profile pictures that have no... And, and, and the reason that I think that this is the case is you look at the existing profile pictures and there's no there's no business behind them there's no revenue generation besides either sell you know trade the existing nfts on the secondary market for a, a negligible royalty or no royalty at all if they're traded on blur or a new nft which it's not a business model right if 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 new nfts was a business model everybody would put out an nft and be like and we're going to sell you new nfts uh, because that's going to be the money printing machine forever Right. But I do think that you can make a case that, um, you know, NFTs are still, or profile pictures will still carry value because you see Yuga Labs announced that they're uh, acquiring uh, 10KTF. Nobody cares because it's not a cartoon animal picture and it's not a humanoid cartoon picture. Uh, it's actually just a backpack that you can put your cartoon animal picture, or your human, humanoid cartoon picture on. But the market still doesn't favor that and didn't favor it for an extremely long time. If you guys remember, if you were early 10K TFers, how long it took for any value to accrue to that thing. Um, but then Yuga Labs has this announcement about basically more NFTs and some other stuff. And you see that that proper pump on the mutants and the apes. NFT God has his hand raised. Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, today's show is sponsored by Tiny Tap and Animoca Brands. Going to be a jam to hear about it. NFT God, what's, what's, uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I think you nailed it, P.O., on kind of the direction things are going in. I, I think the old cartoon zoo animal pictures will still hold value. The You know, the popular ones like bored apes and crypto punks because of because of historical significance and because they actually have working capital because they made a ton of money from selling the nfts when you could do that and they raised a ton of money from venture capital yeah absolutely historical significance in in the the capital but you know you saw what happened like valhalla right it it had this temporary pump because people think you know twitch 2.0 is going to be made out of it which and I don't think it's realistic at all, but people are now looking for actual substance behind it. And so I think we'll probably get this meta for a little bit where these projects might have some VC backing from venture capitalists you've never heard of. And they're making Twitch 2.0 or Amazon 2.0. And, you know, people buy into that dream for a little bit. But I think we'll eventually get to the point where people will move past that and they'll actually, you know, this is hints of substance. We'll actually get to the point where we actually need substance right, where people actually want uh, a real product launching with the NFT rather than, oh, we're going to be launching Twitch 2.0 in five years. And so hopefully, at least, because that'll drive actual more innovation into the space, we're going to be getting into a meta where, okay, you actually need a product day one rather than we hope for a product in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, exactly. I think what you're saying is it's basically... Uh, people that drop NFTs will have to prove that they can actually gain traction before they buy, they drop the NFT, right? Because before it was uh, buy our NFT and then we're going to try to get traction. But it's like, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect traction before you make multi, you know, 2 million plus in revenue from selling an NFT, right? NFT got? Right. It's before it was, hey, 
you don't know who we are. We're we're undoxed, uh, but we're we're gonna try to get traction. Now it seems to be, hey, look at us. We're capable of getting traction because we raised X dollars. Hopefully, the next step, if we want any innovation in this space, is hey, we actually uh, created something. Here it is. Now buy the NFT to experience. It's not this hope and dream wa- wa- hand waving of look, we're capable of it. Yeah, Nick, I want to throw to you uh, then Node, but Nick, can you hit breaking news? Breaking news. So this is breaking news that everybody already knew, which is that BlockFi is filing for bankruptcy and quote unquote conducting major layoffs. Oh, I I didn't know that that people. Yeah, I didn't know people still work there. And I I thought that they filed for bankruptcy already. (laughs) What? What? Everyone on Twitter is like, yo, breaking news that everybody knew. Uh, I don't know. So I, I said it, ladies and gentlemen, but I thought we already knew that. Someone like is, I'm looking at this, someone posted like the dominoes falling over to this. I just think that there's no impact of that gif here. We knew this. We knew that. The- it's like crypto another- did not even move. Like <laughs> this was like beyond known. I think if anything, it's up a tiny bit off the news that it's officially happened. Exactly. Like no one is like another one go goes down it's just like dude we knew this like what like <laughs> everyone knew this um a, a normie friend of mine texted me about this last week like what um nick, nick what what uh what'd you raise your hand for uh well i i didn't even see any tweet about the block five thing but that's interesting the uh uh manny uh is on stage i just wanted to shout him out real quick congrats on uh you know winning uh a nifty portal how, how are you feeling about that? And how did you foresee that this game was going to be 0-0? Zero, zero? Manny, the Oracle. Yo, what up, guys? Not much. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> can you guys hear me or not? Yes, you we, bet can. we can. Oh, I bet, bet. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, shit, you know, I'm just a smart guy. You know, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Manny's a genius. He's got a free nifty portal coming his way. Send me your wallet in the DMs. Uh, shout out for being the only visionary in the replies. Uh, clearly, y- you're probably an actual fan of football uh, to have made that guess. Not so, at all. No, not <laughs> no, at all. Not okay. At all. There we go. Doesn't give a crap. Uh, after the ultra confident, what, what can I say? I'm just a smart guy response. Uh, he follows it up with, no, not at all. Not a fan at all. Shot in the dark. Uh, but hey, I fucking know shit. Uh, no, do you have your hand raised? No, what's on your mind, buddy? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, half the time people that do the best guessing sports are not involved in sports in general. But what what I what I uh, was thinking about was just what what my plans are for the remainder of the year. Uh, and, I, and I'm starting to think maybe we just kind of do a little repeat of what we did last year, which is uh, in NFTs, they kind of just bleed through December. Uh, everybody does some tax loss harvesting. And so that might be a good time to, you know, have a little bit of cash on the sidelines if you want to throw out some bids from now through the end of the year, I'm wondering if, if that's a good time. And then in January, things kind of heat up all over again. Um, and then one side note that is sad to me is uh, that archipelago.art, which we, you know, we interviewed Dandelion on the, on the YouTube show. Um, they were awesome. They, the archipelago.art was a really great uh, platform to view and buy generative art, just what? much more 
was they are shutting down on December 10th. Why? So that's a bummer. I, I just, I don't know. They uh, Clearly nobody was actually buying and they weren't generating uh, any kind of revenue or something is would be my guess. It's it's a far superior experience to browsing on OpenSea or anywhere else for generative art. And uh, I guess it's just, you know, didn't didn't quite make it. So Damn, that sucks. Uh, well, hopefully maybe Dandelion can go and teach these other marketplaces how the hell to make a good marketplace because that was a sick, nasty markets, a marketplace uh, Archipelago was. What? Didn't they sponsor? Uh, how recently did they sponsor us? They didn't sponsor us. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but, but uh, that stinks. And- That's why they failed, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Micah G, you have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo? Not too much. Uh, first off, putt putt and mini golf are two different things. Uh, putt putt is supposed to be uh, every single hole is makeable in one, and they had a league back in the day for it. And then mini golf is the one with all the obstacles and the wacky courses. So okay. I had to, had to fix that. But the other thing is, I had to come up here to shout out kicks because I am now two and zero on my last two trades. Uh, the first one is cellmates which uh, I blindly followed him into. And I don't know if I'm still the only one holding one, um, but I think those reveal in a couple days, but they're up, they're up a decent amount from there. And then, uh, and then I bought a uh, mutant land, uh, other, other D land. And uh, I've been watching that market because I mean, they have to come out with some sort of information. Um, But yeah, those, those two have been going well. So yeah, I'm kind of sitting on the sidelines picking my spots, but uh yeah, blindly following kicks in his work so far. Are you still playing so rare? Yeah, I'm playing a bit. I uh, I haven't like I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time figuring out like the the speed of auctions where they sort of add uh, new new cards in. So I've tried to sell in and out when I think you know auctions are, are uh, basically when they flood the market and then they pull back. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of swings in price there. But yeah, I'm still sw- I'm still trading it and I'm. I'm definitely still playing the games. It's just the market making of when to buy and sell the cards is very different than the actual game. Understood. Uh, well, Micah is a call, former college golfer, so I think that that's totally, uh, you know, I take your word for it on the putt-putt. Uh, on the cellmates, yeah, I mean, they're they're up. They're at point seventy six. The all-time high was closer to point eighty five. Oh wow! This this collection I sent this to Nick in the car when it was at 0.07, 0.08. It looks like it ran to 0.15. Crypto Burbs by Vodnik. It just felt to me like something that would have run hard. In it went a- down after you texted it initially, which was when the real time to buy was. It was down fifty percent. Isn't isn't that guy making a second one? I saw the portal chat on it, but it's like he's going to churn out another collection soon. Got it. Okay, I don't know. It's it's uh, what's it called? Um, uh, CCO, and or it looks like it is, and it says that it's inspired by cryptodes and crypto dick butts, which I think makes sense. Look, there's just something about these these meme pixel art collections that cause them to accrue some kind of value in the NFT space. I I texted it to Nick in the car. I was driving. I couldn't like buy it then. And I didn't expect Nick to just ape in, but I just saw it and I was like, this is something where in the bull run, this would have like done something. But um, I don't know. Our whole Discord got destroyed by burbs though. So I don't know how many people are comfortable going back in on that. Yeah, but that was that was kind of different. Uh, Cryptopolis said that it hit point twenty five. This seems like a Cryptopolis special because it was free. 
Uh, so that's, you know, that's interesting. Look, shout out to the people that got in on this like early, sell it and then buy like, you know, Moonbirds oddities or something that's around one ETH that's like a long-term value accrual thing. Don't just only degenerate gamble it into other free mints that will eventually make you lose your stack. Just saying. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, that, that's what I'm thinking about. Easy would love to, or, or Node has his hand raised. Node, what's going on? Yeah, there is one collection that I don't know if we talked about yet, but it's an interesting one because it's kind of uh, unique. So there's an artist called Zancan, and they've yep. been big on Tezos, and they they released an open edition uh, called uh, oh what's it, it's called Landscape with Carbon Capture. But what's interesting about it is that it's a generative open edition. So they're not all the exact same. They're all kind. Of, it's kind of like a one of one of X play, just like a traditional generative art set. Although there's really only three types. There's like a, uh, a, a traditional green background, there's a black background, there's a pink background. So it's an interesting, like if you feel like playing the lottery, you can still mint. Uh, it's open for a few more days. And I think the mint is 0 0.08. Uh, and if you end up with a black background, those are selling for 0.5 ETH. You end up with a pink background, it's 0.8 ETH. You've got like a I don't know about a ten percent chance of getting of getting one um, of one of the rare ones uh, in total. Uh, but if you end up with a traditional green background, uh, those are selling for point zero three. So it's an instant instant forty percent loss versus uh, do you want to go for a ten x? So <laughs> I actually really like Zancan. It's interesting. It's a fun play and it's unique. So you know if those those those, those people feeling like playing the lottery, uh, this is one you might want to check out. Yeah, I mean that that artist is dope. I remember we looked at uh, his artwork on one of the early episodes of Node Mode, and I was very impressed by it. His artwork was expensive as hell on Tezos. Is he the number one Tezos artist? I don't know if he's the number one, but he's consistently, I mean, one of the top collections for sure. Someone out there would definitely know. But the art is cool. I mean, this this collection itself, it it all all of his art looks phenomenal. Uh, but the challenge is, you know, open editions are always tricky, but this one kind of has a twist. So 7,000 have been minted already in total. And I think there's a few more days left. So I like the twist, uh, you know, because when I look at the other trending collections, you know, you love to see someone like 6529 have something that's in the top five with this, the memes by 6529 collection. I think everybody knows what my concern would be with this collection, which is the fact that they are ERC 1155s. Uh, they're all ERC 1155s. So it's hard to get that long-term sustained value accrual. Like just having it even just hold value can be tough. Uh, but I'm, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for them. And I hope that, uh, you know, 6529, you know, is able to kind of keep it. I don't know what the goal is of the collection. Nick, you unmuted. What's going on? Well, that collection is a weird one that I don't mind. It, uh, like, I'm not as viscerally opposed to ERC 1155. I do remember the confusion that we got from our holders. I see, like, uh, and someone posted in the Discord, like, Zen Academy is ERC 1155, and it does perfectly well. Um, but, but much it, like ours, the, the expect, uh, expectation is that it will be burned in exchange for a 721. So like ours and Zeneca's aren't the best examples because the, uh, the uh, assumption slash the, the fact, like the future, is that they will be burned for a 721. Well, whatever the case is, the, the uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The ERC-1155 thing is interesting. Theirs is more interesting, the Punk 6529, primarily because... 
there's so many, there's so much supply on some of these tokens. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, a lot of them seem like overpriced, like the uh, the uh, uh, with the Pepe one was like 0.75 or something, and I don't know what it is right now, but it it's it had a supply of a couple thousand. So that to me was like, wait, hold on. There's a couple thousand of these, and you're what, like, you don't get anything for this. It it just felt off to me. I don't signal. I saw no, you on beca- mute. That's because people collect them, and that particular one, like the main collectors, missed it. It was just it was a bit of a surprise for many many of them. So that one was particularly high in demand. I think last time I looked, it had run up over one. So that that's why that particular card has gone up. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever the case is. I did not buy into uh, this project. I did watch it though. I like the art on a couple of them, uh, but it just didn't make sense um, to me from like a holding standpoint. I get the collectability if you like the art. It's interesting delivering art as an ERC eleven fifty five though. I mean, we've done it, um, and I got the number wrong. Someone corrected me. It's four hundred twenty of the uh, Pepe's. Regardless, still feels like a significant amount given the total size of the collection. Yeah. Well, what what is the total size of the collection? I don't know, thousands. Like some of them have, like the, the most common one has multiple thousands uh, in them. So I don't know the sum total, uh, but I, I can see here. Let's see if it gives us a, I don't know if it actually gives you um, with ERC 1155. Uh, it says total supply. Yeah, it just shows 39 items. So you have to like sum up each of them. The GM one has 3.9 thousand. The, the, Hardware mug, 669. Like, I don't know. A lot of these have basically a thousand. And so you have a thousand times a a bunch of these. I don't know. It just feels- (laughs) It's a massive, colossal supply. Yeah, it's a huge (laughs) supply. It just feels excessive. It's it's too big of a supply. And um, if if it was under 10,000, then would have been better off to just do 721s, even if it was the same image over and over again. Um, but a lot of times the ERC 1155s in this structure are to roll out like a crazy high supply. You know, the most extreme example ever is Pixel Vault planets, right? Where the supply, every individual planet is like bigger than Board API Club or, or, or as big as Board API Club. This one's also not, at least as far as I'm aware, like there's, I'm not aware of there being a utility behind this. But I, I don't know, maybe Node can correct me on that. But the, the bigger thing, it feels like if you're not for this, then you're against 6529 and, and you know, us owning the memes and that sort of thing is like, I don't know, kind of uh, like a feeling that I have associated with this. Some of it's like super cool, though. And like, I like the, the actual art, um, but I, I'm not sure if uh, I and the amount of... Um, uh, attributes on each of these are insane. Like this own building has f- 30 plus <laughs> attributes ju- uh, just in the metadata, which is insane. Anyways, I, I mean, it's, it's just under 30,000 total count. We'll see what happens with it. The thing is about NFTs is when people buy NFTs, they expect number to go up. So it makes it, it's just, look, you got 29,000 babies now. I don't care if it's so we own the memes. I don't care if it's, you know, Web3 ethos, blah, blah, blah. If somebody buys that meme for 
you know, 0.6 ETH and it goes down to 0.2 ETH, you're going to have an angry customer. It's just how it works flat out. And ERC 1155s, I believe, especially if there's no plan to burn them, uh, pose significant risk. Uh, if, if you're looking at price appreciation, there's very few examples of ERC 1155s that have been able to sustain uh, a very high price point for a long period of time. It's just tough. Um, anyway, moving on, we, we got our sponsor on stage, Tiny Tap. Uh, and of course, Animoca Brands. We got Yoga really excited, you know, to hear about Tiny Tap. Look, I could talk about Tiny Tap, but I'd rather hear the CEO himself talk about Tiny Tap. Yoga, welcome to the show. What's going on? How's it going? Hi, it's great. Thanks for having me. Nice hearing everybody here in the last hour and a half. I've been hearing everything that is good and bad, and everything you want to see in the space. And I hope we can deliver and uh, have something new. Yeah, and, and I feel like you you all fit into, you know, one of these archetypes that I brought up, which is, you know, crazy idea, uh, actual functional businesses that are looking to integrate Web3 into the business, you know, to not be like a value extractor, but rather to bring value to Web3. So, I mean, look, I can tell the audience mm. what TinyTap is, but I'd love to hear yeah. from your perspective as the CEO, what is TinyTap? Yeah, well, I love that. Uh, so let's let's go back ten years ago when we started the company. Um, Tiny Tap originally origin mission and uh, still is today is basically to free teachers to create their own amazing amazing content that can reach students directly, without being dependent on a school. And so when the iPad came out, the idea was to build an authoring platform that is so easy for anyone to use to create interactive activities, educational games, and then eventually monetize it by selling access to that to individuals. But it took a lot of time. It took from uh, 2012 until 2018 for us to really understand how to generate revenue and how to sell access to the content and have enough of the content on, on our library. So we have been building for the past year and we have built a, li a library of over a quarter million educational games today. And since 2018, the teachers who have been creating content on TinyTop can now only mon also monetize it directly from parents. So. As a parent or a student, you basically buy subscription access or a one-time purchase access for a course, and then you get access to, to teachers' content and they get revenue back. So basically, it's like YouTube for educational games. It's a platform, it's a stage for anyone to come and take their ideas and agenda and make them uh, into a teachable uh, units, interactive units, share them, and then have other people just access them to teach themselves independently. And... You talked about value extraction. Uh, for us, we do want to extract value from Web3 because it is very much uh, aligned with what we've been doing all along. It, we have always been working to free teachers from the dependency they have on traditional education system for salaries and for reaching students and to free parents from also depend, being dependent on the same platform. So that is in a very, very quick introduction what TinyTap is about. Um, some background about us, the company, we're about 30 people here in Israel, Tel Aviv. And um, yeah, that, that's a quick introduction and hello from, uh, from everyone. Absolutely. You, Go ahead, Nick. The, the thing that's crazy uh, that I saw is there's 200,000 games on your platform. What does that even mean? Yeah, so anyone can get TinyTap today on the iPad or on the web and create content. So it can be not that interesting content and, will it be, and as long as it's published and approved, it's still a game uh, and the content comes from teachers globally so us uh, canada australia 
Saudi Arabia, and Singapore, Mexico, Israel, a lot of countries where, where people create content for their local audience in their local language. Then you have the people on TinyTap inside the company, like four people in our content team that go over all the content with the help of computer vision, identify the best content and feature it. And that becomes the pool of content. So uh, what, and how does like, in terms of the platform today, how does like NFTs fit into that? So that's really fast forwarding for what we want to do and in, in what we're doing in Web3 actually. Um, I'd love, I'd love to share with you what, 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 why, why we're thinking NFT can be something a little bit different from what the crowd here is used to. So I'm asking everybody to just for a second forget about everything you know about PFPs and just remember what NFT is all about. And that is proof. It's just proof of ownership. And, it can, and that proof can lead to all kinds of value creation. And so for us, it's proof that you can become a co-owner of an educational content on TinyTap to actually capture with NFT capture chunks of content from a platform. And so for TinyTap, that content is educational courses. Teachers have been creating content on TinyTap for years now, but they've been depending on, on us on TinyTap to, to market that content and to reach an audience. And it's a very difficult game, very data-driven, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on marketing. I didn't talk numbers, but there's like 8 million families registered on the platform. You have 100,000 teachers um, on, on, on TinyTap. Our revenue last year was uh, around 4 million. This year is going to be $8 million. This is all from families. And it's all been the work that we did with our community. And by inviting Web3, by inviting people to actually own different assets in the platform, we can create new business models that we believe will allow more people to push contents everywhere. So, for example, if we want to sell in India uh, and, and, you know, the marketing economics of marketing via Facebook and Instagram doesn't make sense, when you have people who actually own, uh, owner, have ownership in content with NFTs, they have more incentives to push it on the ground. Maybe they'll localize it and just sell it for a dollar per students. I don't know what's going to happen. What I do know, that's instead of our shareholders and the team here and the creators in TinyTap, suddenly we can see thousands of people who have, who have an agenda of uh, creating TinyTap uh, success. Because when you buy chunks of, of a platform, not shares like an investor, you buy chunks of a platform, when that platform go goes, the content that you've earned, uh, purchased actually generates more revenue and has more value. Just like going back in time and buying something very early on on YouTube or the rights to a, a Harry Potter one or something like that. So as the brand uh, improves, as the, as the project improves, you have the, the opportunity to basically earn more. And, and you and I spoke when we were kind of preparing for, for this spot, you know, we talked about how you all have, you know, kind of gone down the route of making sure that everything's in order from a securities perspective, obviously Animoca brands, you know, being a backer of the organization, I, I'd imagine all your I's are dotted and your T's crossed. So can you kind of talk about the mechanic of, you know, if I buy a tiny tap digital asset, you know, what the, what that kind of looks like? Yeah, I'd love to. So, it's exactly what you said. You're buying uh, uh, what we call publishing rights. We looked at the publishing model, at how it works in real life. Someone comes with a piece of content. They've created it. They're, they are an artist. They're a writer, an author. They want to promote it now. They find a publisher. That publisher works with them to distribute that, and they both have an interest for that to work. You know, the author will go into panels and do uh, signings 
and the publisher will do write PRs about it and think about new business model and, and they're working as a pair. And so we copied that model as a very safe and, and simple way to start. Eventually we would love for entire communities to co-own content together and, and build uh, educational uh, libraries that they can uh, monetize together uh, in different languages and different agenda, making, you know, making the change they want to see in the world by creating educational content to teach the world. But for now, what's happening right now, we've created a new type of NFT and a system to support that, which is called the Publisher NFT. We hope the Publisher NFT will be a model not just for Tinyta, but for other companies who, who will pursue that and see that we, a Web2 company, has actually get more value from using Web3 technology, and they can also adapt that model. What that model does is give ownership to someone, uh, to an NFT holder. So let's say 50% of the ownership stays with the creator, 50% goes to the new uh, NFT holder, and now they both need to work to promote it. So if you're looking at it from a security standpoint, um, it's not just that you bought the NFT and you'll get passive income now. You are an active publisher, you're a partner. If you're buying a, a, a shop somewhere, you're not gonna just sit on the sidelines and wait for it to happen. You're gonna be participating, you're gonna talk to the owner, you're gonna make it happen. So the same applies here. You buy the NFT, at that moment in time, it ceases to generate the revenue it used to, though we, 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 do, we do publish uh, publicly the numbers that the content have made in the past year, and we guarantee that this is the numbers that they made. Now, once you buy it, it only has the potential to make that. And you can make that in two ways. One, you can actively go and, you know, and promote it. It's a course that's just like Udemy or Coursera, just for younger audience. And you can sell it. You can sell it by knocking on school doors. You can sell it by doing affiliation links. You can sell it by localizing it, by playing with the prices, whatever you want. You're an entrepreneur and you have a digital asset here. The second option is that you can partner with us, with TinyTap. We have our own subscriber base that we work and we spend a lot of money to get. And you can just re-enlist the content on TinyTap, paying a, a promotion fee, a 5 to 10% promotion fee from profits alone. And that way, you're actually doing work, you're promoting the content, just like an app developer will pay Apple to promote the content. And so that is a really nice, simple way to start, just one-to-one -one ownership and working to promote it. Eventually, we want to see uh, fractionalization and other stuff, but you know, as regulation will permit it and as we will explore new models. Love to hear it. And, and, you know, obviously you guys have been in business for a while. Uh, would love to know, like, how did Animoca brands come into the picture? And, you know, what are you able to accomplish now with Animoca that maybe you wouldn't be able to before? So uh, I know Yat since 20, Yat is the CEO and chairman, is, is the chairman of Animoca brands. Um, I had the pleasure of being introduced to Yat back in 2015. He made the first investment in 2016 long before he got into blockchain, at least on the business side. I don't know. Uh, it looked uh, on other sides. Uh, he made the investment because he was passionate about two things. One is education. He shared our belief that the teachers are amazing creators and they're just getting screwed because they're working for a system that doesn't really value them as they should be valued. And so he was always looking for new ways for educators and creators to, um, to basically get a, their fair value from society. And second is the user-generated component, which is something that is very dear to my heart. It's what I love to see more. I think that's that's dear to everybody's heart in, in crypto land. Like an NFT project is exactly that. What happens when there's a lot of people involved and they all have like motivation to promote something together and they come and they think about it collaboratively with all the challenges that come with that. But those are the two reasons he made that investment. 
Um, we did a partnership with them and then they became uh, known for their early investments in, in crypto companies like Axie Infinity, uh, Polygon, OpenSea, and basically any, any major big name that you can think of. Animoca was there in making investments in 2018 where nobody else. One of the most prominent projects, probably most of the audience here are aware of, is the Sandbox project. So that's a, a company they acquired very early on and, and built the kind of the offering for, for what it will be on Web3 with the metaverse and land sale. Uh, and so Tanita and, and Animoca in mid-2021, basically we both agreed, me and Yat and the company here, that there's a lot to, to gain by uh, jumping heads in um, the Web3 community and, and, and applying Web3 mechanics to Tanita, which is already about decentralization. And we closed the deal a year later where they bought out all of our investors and now they own 84% of the company. And we are working as a subsidiary on, on uh, Avanimoka creating this roadmap for eventually creating a decentralized uh, educational system, a world curriculum that is completely created and owned by, by communities. And the first project we did, we, we did is uh, uh, the publisher NFT auction that we did two weeks ago. I'd love to share more about it in a second. Sure. Why don't we dive into that uh, and, and we can kind of wrap on that. Uh, what, what should people know about the auction? Yeah, so already if you go to Web3, .tinytap.com, web3.tinytap.com, you can see the courses on auction. So the first auction we did was for six courses. The next auction would be for another six courses. So those six courses are actually digital assets that generate generated significant amounts in the, in the past year. Um, some of them are making $5,000 a year, and some of them are making fifteen or even $20,000 a year. And so... Uh, if you, when you bid on them, and we're starting the bid at two and a half x, if you buy the three x, for example, you get back, and, and and those pieces of courses keep growing, and us, the company, keep growing, so they're actually growing faster. You can get uh, your, your money back and have a, dig a digital asset, just like buying an apartment or anything like that, which is very exciting, because in this market where it's a lot of hype and marketing, and no one can guess what's going to happen uh, next week. I think we're offering something that uh, is a little bit more sane, more more basic in in uh, in the kind of uh, kind of asset. We're suggesting something that will. I know we just finished Thanksgiving, but we still have a holiday season ahead of us. I think it's an asset that will be very simple to explain to your uh, families and normies around the dinner because you're buying a digital asset that generates revenue. You work with the creator, you generate more revenue. So the six courses were sold two weeks ago. Um, to at two hundred and forty thousand U.S. dollars, like a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, it, the sale was on OpenSea. It was done with ETH. Uh, ETH dropped a little bit since then, but it didn't affect the sales because we automatically convert the sales proceeds into stablecoin, and then we share them back with the teachers. So teachers actually got fifty percent of that. Some teachers got tens of thousands of dollars for their sale, which can be the equivalent of a yearly salary just from buying that NFT. And you need to keep in mind that by doing that, you've also supported an educator and that educator can now create more content that can be generate more revenue and can further push the platform. So um, that's what we did. And the next sale is going to come mid-December. We're going to release the, the date very soon. Uh, you can go on web3.tinytop.com, uh, check out the courses, see the people behind them. Most are US-based. And, uh, and basically experiment with this type of new publisher NFT and Tune, tune in, follow TinyTap 
uh, AB on Twitter to, to hear more about the roadmap as we'll release it. Yeah, definitely follow Tiny Tap and Animoca Brands. The tweet pinned to the top has both Twitter handles. The website is web3.tinytap.com. Is that correct, Yogov? Yeah, tinytap.com, web3.tinytap.com. Yeah, correct. Love to hear it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Anything else people need to know about Tiny Tap? Just that we're already are a decentralized company in nature, and we're here to show not only uh, the, the, the crypto space, but other Web2 companies to show the playbook to actually leverage the mechanics of, uh, of opening your assets to a community and having all the incentives aligned to create a better business. So as we succeed, as we hope to succeed in increasing our business and revenue and participating in the community, I'm sure other companies will see that and uh, be able to copy that playbook and, and join the game. So uh, we're new here and we're looking for friends and to, to know the community. Please follow us. Um, we'd love to, to hear from everyone. Love to Thank hear. Well, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Today's sponsor, Tiny Tap, acquired by Animoca Brands, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you love seeing Animoca just continue to increase its, you know, its footprint on the NFT space. Uh, check out Tiny Tap and Animoca Brands on Twitter. Again, it's tweeted, uh, it's pinned to the top, web3.tinytap.com for the website. That's our show. We're going to go jump on a plane down to Miami, and we will be there until Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing four live shows. We're doing it at Rug Radio, we're doing it at Metaverse Miami, and we're doing it at DGen Arcade. I'm going to post all the info. No paywall, no list, no token gate to go to the events. Some of the events, if you have a portal, then you get like open bar and free food. You'll get like a special VIP wristband, and that's fantastic. But just pull up. Even if you don't have a portal, pull up. We want people to come through. I'm going to post all the information. If you're in Miami this week, make sure you come to the events. Uh, and again, thanks to our today's sponsor, Tiny Tap. We're going to head down there. We'll see you at our Baz all week. No list. No token gate, no paywall, no ticket. Just just pull up. We'll see you there. <laughs>